Tanner, how are you? Good to see you. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you too. Um, how's the off season? It is like officially your off season. Have you been able to catch up at all? Yeah, it is definitely off season here in Vermont. Uh, full like foliage season the last couple of weeks it's getting cloudy and gray and turning into mud season um nice to be home and not on the road traveling so much now um but it's also you know that kind of year where you know you're planning for right for the future. yeah never stops um are you a skier have we talked about that i don't know if yes yes uh grew up uh ski racing nordic oh, that's uh, right okay sweet alpine and stuff like that but uh this past year i really kind of got into backcountry skiing out oh here. cool Kind of cool. one of my main things in the winter. Are you? When is that? What does that season look like for you? Uh, usually, I mean, I wish it started sooner. Um, but you can't really ski out here until late December. January is really kind of like the big like start of the ski season. The last because I've been out here. This will be my third winter here. Um, November and December kind of hit or miss with with snow. But mm-hmm. January we always get like that big snowstorm right before Christmas, and uh, you know it's pretty solid from january till you know april yeah man we i hope that's our i hope that's what we get this year it's been yeah. later and later like we've just been getting like oh, okay cool um basically just i don't know march like yeah. february is like great time but everything before that is just kind of hit or miss um anyways um welcome everyone to the training edge podcast um i have tanner putt with me um so tanner you're actually my first returning guest ever um, and Tanner was on episode four in 2020. It was that long ago. It was April of 2020. So it was like just after things had kind of started, but the chaos hadn't really ensued, I would say. Um, so yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming back. Um, yeah. life has changed, uh, considerably, I would say for the two of us in the last two years. Um, and we both kind of dove into the directing space. And that's uh, actually why I wanted to talk with you today is to talk through like what that experience has been like, what that world even looks like, um, and what the lessons kind of were along the way. So Tanner recently directed for um, USAC or USA Cycling at the World Champs. Um, So I definitely want to talk about that. And then um, he directed for CS Fellow on the domestic US circuit side in 2022. Did you do it in 2021? Or was... uh, no, I didn't. It was 2022. Yep. First okay, cool. Year. Cool. Um, so I wanted to start with world, the world champs, if you, if you don't mind, um, yeah. when'd you get, when'd you get back by the way? Uh, let's see. I feel like I got back like the first of October. Um, okay. maybe. Okay. Before. Okay. Um, how was it? How was the, I guess, like travel, like in general, like what was the, I guess the trip experience? It was, it was awesome. It was such a cool experience. Um, I mean, it's never easy getting to Australia. I, I always loved going to Australia when I was a racer. Um, it's just a really big cycling culture there. Um, usually always good weather. Um, so, I mean, travel to get down there, it's not, not easy from the Northeast. So that was, you know, not an easy, uh, thing to do and, you know, getting on the ground there kind of, before a lot of the riders, there was a lot of prep work and stuff to be done, but yeah. uh, it was just such a cool experience, you know, working with such, you know, talented, talented young riders. I'd, I've worked with the junior men national team there okay. as well as the under 23s there. Cool. Um, and so just working with kind of, you know, a lot of those, you know, young riders that, you know, some are, you know, got, you know, contracts to go to the world tour next year. And, you know, some have, you know, that potential to make it to that next level and just kind of, you know, having been a rider like that in the past, like, you know, the national team world championships, and then be able to come back and, you know, kind of give them advice, help them out, um, was really kind of, it was a cool experience and kind of rewarding for myself to kind of feel like I was able to, you know, give back in a, in a little way. Was it, uh, so you worked with, I guess, give me a timeline. What does the timeline look like? Cause you were working with juniors and you 23s, like, was that the TT road race, like all of that for both of them? Or how did that look like? What, what was that? Yeah. So it was, it was, it was both of them. Um, they, let's see the, I think the, the junior men race, you know, first, uh, for the time trial. And then there may have been like a day or two in between the the junior men and the under 23, okay. uh, time trial. So it was actually, it was really nice to, you know, be able to work with the juniors, uh, see how the course really was and ridden in a race setting. And then to be able to bring that experience over to Patrick Welsh, who is our only under 23 rider, yeah, uh, and be able to help him out there. Uh, it was, it was really cool too. Cause I had, um, Dario Cataldo from Ineos in the car mm-hmm. with me for Sweet. Uh, 
um, you know, the junior men. Uh, so kind of learning from him was really, really kind of a, a cool experience as well. Um, and then to kind of bring some of that info over to uh, Patrick was, was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was a long day when we got to the road race of the junior men and U23 men both raced on the same day. So I think that was like eight hours in, in the caravan. Yeah. Day. It was a pretty <laughs> twisty, twisty course. So yeah, yeah. I think my mechanic hated it more, th- more than I did <laughs> I in the back, but um, that was a long day in the car. Uh, and we had some weather that day too. Like I said earlier, like, oh yeah, it's always great weather down in Australia, except for the road race. It was <laughs> classic it was pouring, pouring rain for yeah. both races actually. Um, and that was just, you know, a really cool race. We, we did have really good luck too. We didn't have any, you know, accidents or mechanicals or anything like that. So it was a pretty calm day in the caravan, but, um, that was really cool being able to do both races, um, back to back like that. And like, you know, by the end of that, I could have, you know, driven around that course with my eyes. <laughs> Blindfolded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're like a, uh, man, what's it called? Like a rally car driver out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, it feels like. yeah. Um, well, I wanted to get into, uh, I guess let's start with the juniors first. So, um, you know, most of your experience at, uh, this year, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, hundred percent, but, um, was CS fellow and the, uh, what's that? What, like, if you had to put it on an age, what was the average age of CS fellow? The average age on CS fellow. Um, I mean, I would probably say, you know, 26, mm-hmm. 28, yeah. uh, but there's not, a, I mean, a lot of the writers, we either had like under 23s or, you know, 23 and under, yeah. Uh, so real young or, you know, guys kind of in their late twenties to, you know, early thirties. Yeah. So then how was it essentially getting on the ground at worlds and then working with a bunch of juniors that are obviously like a considerably younger than kind of the average that you had been working with to that point. And then, yeah, like what was the change and um, observations that you made, I guess, or even approach? Uh, I mean, they're definitely, um working with the juniors and getting there on the ground not ever having worked with with juniors before um it was a little bit of a change just in the fact that you know they're very talented riders they're really really strong some of them are very smart racers too but there's other other things that kind of go along with working with the juniors of just you know teaching them and having them prepared for the races like things like you know rain bags uh, a couple yeah. of them didn't actually you know have that or know what that was um you know so kind of just like little things like that going into it were um, you know, ways I could help them out with, you know, rain bag, uh, you know, clothing choices for training days, you know, helping them, you know, with, with routes to ride, um, yep. because we've gotten there, you know, I think seven or eight days before the race even started. Um, so just kind of helping them out with, with, uh, you know, things like that, where some of the, you know, older riders that I've worked with in the past directing, um, you know, they'll show up, they've already got like their, you know, Strava routes, like, yeah. uh, GPX files on their, you know, their yeah. head and you know they're they're pretty self-sufficient not that the juniors weren't but it's just uh i wanted to you know kind of helicopter around them a little bit more just to make sure that they were um you know on top of it and um you know not making mistakes where you know it could you know cost them in the race yeah definitely yeah like being a little bit more cautious did you uh change your i guess like how um hardcore you were or like your um, approach as far as like uh, what is expected of them? Uh, So not necessarily, Um, you know, with me and directing uh, a big thing for me is that everybody rides, you know, as a team. And when you go to a world championships, that's something that's really hard to uh, work with because everybody's coming from different trade teams. Everybody, you know, wants to, you know, have a chance at a result as they should, you know, they've, yeah. they've qualified to show they're the best in the nation and to show up and, you know, prove themselves, um, especially for a junior, you know, some of these guys are looking for, you know, contracts for next year, looking for teams because all the juniors we actually had were uh, second year. So they're all moving up. Mm-hmm. So okay. um, they were, you know, they all want to get their own, own results and, and stuff like that. So I wouldn't say more, I was more intense, but I definitely wanted to set a good presence that, you know, we're here as team USA, we're going to ride, you know, for team USA, we definitely had, you know, a plan for, you know, the road race specifically of like, you know, how we're going to ride, um, you know, who, who are going to kind of be the leaders on the road. And we only had three spots this year, just because the national team hadn't run a junior program for a while. So we were mm-hmm. down on spots. Um, and so kind of going into that, there was, there's two riders, Vigo, uh, Vigo Moore and Artem Schmidt were kind of, you know, the two guys for the road race. And so, 
you know, the, the one thing that I really wanted to make sure with those two is they're very similar riders. Um, they're both, you know, good in a sprint, good on short, punchy hills. They're basically both perfect for the course at, at Worlds. Um, very similar abilities. And the biggest thing I wanted to make sure was, you know, when you get to the final, you know, I'd rather see, you know, one guy get, you know, first, second, third, something like that, rather than coming in, you know, 10th and 11th. Yeah. Um, and basically saying, you know, one of you got to sell out. And I didn't, in our race meeting, make that clear who that was. It was just one of those things, you know, on the day, who's better. You, you can kind of feel that stuff out in a race. And I think it's important too, for those juniors to learn at a young age, like, you know, yeah. when, when and how to raise their hand and say, Hey, this is my day or like, Hey, I'm not on a good day. Let's go all in for you. So I made that pretty clear that, you know, that decision need, needed to be made. Um, and it was, it was awesome. I mean, at the, at the end of the race, you know, Vigo sold out for, for Artem, um, you know, they were off the back with 2k to go. Vigo sold out for him, brought him back. I I didn't even think they were going to make it back at 2k to go from the caravan. And he brought him back and right. uh, Vigo or sorry, Artem was able to, you know, finish off the sprint. I think he got second in the sprint and fifth, uh, fifth on the day. Okay. That's amazing. It was That's awesome. awesome. Really cool. How do you, so when like, I mean, going into kind of like athlete maturity and so on and so forth, like asking somebody to not be selfish and to, um, take a team perspective is a really difficult thing to do. And we see like grown athletes not be able to do that. So, um, that's amazing that they were able to do that. Did you give them any indication of how to do that or what to look for or anything like that? Or was it simply like, you need to be honest with yourself and talk to each other? So, I mean, I was very fortunate working with those, those two riders because neither of them have a big ego. They're very, you know, very professional, very nice guys. Um, and I, I did kind of feel like I knew in the back of my head, I kind of felt like I knew who was going to be the better rider on the day and who was going to be the one to sell out. And it did turn out to be, you know, that case in the race. Um, but yeah, I mean, really it was just more, um, making sure that they knew that, um, I guess kind of basically telling them, and I was told this a bunch as an under 23, you know, coming up through the national team program is, uh, by you helping out a rider that is, you know, going to win by you selling out for that rider teams notice that directors notice that that rider notices that, and that can also help you in the future. So instead of burning bridges, um, you know, trying to be selfish at the end of the race by you kind of you know being that bigger person and selling out at the end of the race really can uh benefit you down the road and um you know i saw that a bunch in in my career you know personally and just with other riders um you know you see you know big sprinters taking their their guys to to teams with them or you know stuff like that and uh, i I just wanted to make that clear because you know both these young riders are looking for for teams next year and uh, i believe both of them have teams um now um it's great and so, yeah, I was just, you know, trying to get, you know, those guys to understand that, you know, your team result is just as big as, um, you know, that individual result. And that's hard for a young rider to see, you know, at, you know, 18, 17 years old, you know, you're only thinking about, you know, your future and you don't really kind of realize how, um, you know, important networking is and how important, you know, that relationship between, you know, your teammates is and how yeah. it can help you down the road. Totally. I think that's a great point. And I think you like put that to them very well, because that allows them to see how it will still benefit them because uh, cycling is a really weird sport and like, sure. Having USAC, like having USA cycling get a medal or, you know, the win or something like that is great. Um, and that does actually make them look better as far as being part of a program that did well, but also like the small nuances um, that are going to make you go a lot farther than, as you mentioned before, getting like 11th or something mm-hmm. like that, where that is something that, you know, directors look over. They don't um, really glance at that, but seeing somebody, you know, play a, a part of a race to a meaningful way or a meaningful way is, is yeah, it goes a long way. Yeah. Well, well, well put. Um, how, what do you, how is your uh, like directing management style in the sense of like a pre-race meeting? What does that look like for you? Cause I'm sure you've had directors that you're like, Oh my God, we're about to do a two hour meeting. Um, and you've also had directors that probably do like a 10 minute meeting. So where, where do you land and what do you try and touch on before a race? 
Yeah. So one, one of the biggest things that I like to do uh, for, you know, my directing style for, you know, race meetings and things like that going into the race is I do like to keep it light. I like to keep, you know, you know, everybody's, you know, spirits, you know, high and the morale, morale high. Uh, but one of the biggest things is I never do a race meeting the night before a race. Um, unfortunately, I had to for the junior men at Worlds just because I had such an early start that day. Um, so we did do it the night before that. But typically, I only do it the day of the race. The reason for that is people get too pumped up and amped up at night. They don't, you know, go to sleep. They're thinking too much about the race gets in their head. You know, I, I don't, I don't prefer that. I I didn't like that if I had a director do that for myself. So I do keep it, um, you know, only for day of race. The other thing that I, I like to do is I like to give everybody a job, make sure everybody feels important and that it's not just about, you know, the guy that we're riding for in that day. So whether it's, you know, somebody, their their role is you know getting bottles or it's you know riding the front or it's you know covering moves for the first you know half of the race i I make sure to you know single out everybody um in the room and make sure everybody has a good understanding of what is coming um and what their their role is um another thing i like to do is uh give as much information to the riders as i can about the course whether it's like you know something like gila or you know joe martin something that i've i've raced myself multiple times and know the courses or whether it's, you know, something like, you know, Lavenier or World Championships, or I've never, you know, raced that course. Yeah, maybe I've seen it and driven the course with them in, in training, but I've never actually raced it because it's, you know, it, it's totally different once you, you know, put numbers on you in the race. Sure. So, yeah, um, something that we were doing with, you know, USAC is we were using um, VeloViewer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with definitely. It's like a platform that you can, you know, basically upload the gpx file of the race course and it can you know show you you know graphs of you know the climbs the um you know descents literally it shows you everything that uh is is on the on the road you know turns yeah. everything around about size of the road you can do street view so um i do like to do a presentation with that just so you know i can point out you know points in the course where it might you know bottleneck somewhere that you know it's exposed. It's next to like, you know, the coast or something like that. Uh, show them the, the wind direction, uh, basically give them as much information as I can. Cause especially for like a world championships, uh, you're not allowed radios. And so my job is basically to give them as much information on the course, you know, give them, you know, a couple of scenarios that, that can play out what we would like to have happen and then ways that we need to pivot. Um, because without a radio, I'm basically just in the, in the cars. Yeah you know, Hey, here's a bottle. Here's a wheel. Yep. Just yep. there for, you know, support. Um, but once they're in the race, it's, it's kind of on them. So one thing I always tell people is, you know, instead of going into like this, like massive, you know, two hour plan of like, you know, different race scenarios is, you know, go over what we'd like to have happen a couple of different scenarios, but you know, I always tell them all of these scenarios we just went over. There's like a 99% chance that nothing is going to play out this way. Yep. It's yep. going to be different. And especially in world championships, it's so unpredictable of how it's going to be played out. So I just make sure that they're very aware of, you know, things to look for, um, you know, ways to pivot and, you know, difficult situations just so they're, you know, prepared. I like to, you know, name a road captain of the team. Mm -hmm. Usually that person is not the guy that we're riding for that day. Uh, you know, say it's a sprint stage. That sprinter is never going to be the road captain because that guy, in my opinion, his job needs to be focused on on winning the bike race and someone else needs to make that call. Cause I think a lot of times the guy that's, you know, the rider of the day, the, the race, the, the team leader is, you know, can make bad calls in the, in the heat of the moment. So I like to have, you know, somebody else kind of be that, that, that road captain and somebody that can, you know, voice up and, um, you know, kind of direct on the road. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely, uh, very similar in that regard. Um, what about like, uh, um, prep before so like world championships using it as an example what kind of uh you know you're talking about velo viewer and stuff like that but what kind of prep did you do prior to the race uh and maybe even heading over there in general yeah so prep i like to you know make like a, a google calendar give everybody you know the you know days leading up to the race what's going to happen just so everybody has something to go back to and like you know i'll send a daily schedule out but like they can go back to and check and see what you know is coming up, you know, days leading into the event. So they're just, they're prepared. They know what, you know, the whole week before the world championships is going to look like. Um, I'll send them the road book, uh, send them, you know, shots of, you know, what the courses are, stuff like that. Things to, you know, start thinking about uh, heading into the race, you know, as well as things as like, you know, 
make sure you're prepared with you know proper clothing rain bags things that like you know they riders would would know already but it's just comforting to you know let them know like hey don't don't forget this stuff um <laughs> yeah. so that's that's kind of the 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 prep stuff is just kind of giving them that information um before we get there kind of giving them that that schedule built out before getting there and actually somebody that really kind of helped me out with that and kind of helped uh my directing this year was actually Mike Creed he gave me a lot of pointers and stuff like that you know of how how he does it cuz he's a very successful director mm-hmm. um so he was uh really really good kind of almost like a mentor to me this year of you know how oh. to do do some of these things and uh the way he's done it um cuz it's 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 funny going from a racer to a director uh, especially with, you know, it's, you have experience racing and working with directors, but you don't always see what goes on behind no. the scene. You know how that is. Kind at of all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, path that I've taken. And uh, so it was really kind of nice to have somebody like that kind of, you know, help me out with, um, you know, Hey, you should do this before the races, you know, take care of logistics uh, now before you get there, things like that. Yep. Um, another one that was super, super helpful was TJ Van Gardner and was there for the elites um which was awesome it was really cool to see him you know he doesn't have to be you know directing or anything like that after his career but he really does want to kind of give back to the sport and help raise the level for the U.S. and he also wanted to you know help me out with directing and so he was you know helping me you know making you know routes for the guys things like that and um that goes a long way you know when the when the rider gets to you know Australia place I've never been before and they're like oh where should I go training today and it's like oh well here's you know, here's a two hour route, go ride this, you know, it's good. We already looked into it, stuff like that. So, yeah. um, that, that kind of goes along into the, the prep. I, I know I'm rambling. Other, other things, uh, too, is, you know, just, uh, you know, following the guy's training, making sure that they have support. They don't have to, you know, look for water stops on their routes while they're riding. You know, we, we load up the car with, you know, extra spare wheels, bottles, food. So when they go out and they, they train, all they do is they pedal their bikes. They don't have to, you know, look for food. They don't have to change a tire. They don't have to do any of that stuff. It's, you know, totally. the full, you know, professional. Uh, yeah. Set. yeah. We're stress management staff, basically. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's like primarily what our job is. The, the, the most important thing is just making sure they get to the start after that. Yeah. It's, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they just have to race their bikes. Um, yeah. Well, I guess like, okay, you just mentioned uh, some resources from um, world champs, like people and individuals that you were able to learn from there. What were some of the lessons, I guess, that you had um, as far as takeaways from those individuals that maybe were more experienced or whatnot? So one, um, one would be, you know, like, one day I went out and followed the guys with, with TJ in the car, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, and not, not everybody has access to it, but like, you know, he, he took time to, you know, show me the Vela viewers, things like that. Cool. Um, but it was also one of those things, like we took some of the under 23s with the elites out training. And one of the days, you know, it's kind of colder. It's, it's winter in Australia there, you know, it was maybe in the, you know, low sixties, fifties, we went up, you know, did a big, big climb and, you know, descended down. And one of the under 23s newer to, you know, racing at that level, um, hadn't done it before, hadn't, you know, traveled internationally before, um, didn't have a rain bag, didn't have, you know, extra clothing, stuff like that. And, you know, TJ just looked over at me uh, at the top of the climb and he's just like, you know what this is? And I was like, oh, what's what's that? And he's like, this is a great opportunity for you to, you know, teach Patrick, you know, a valuable lesson, you know, right now you can you can you can really teach him right now by, you know, telling him. Hey, did you see Magnus Sheffield just grab, you know, his rain back out of the back of the car and put on, you know, leg warmers, arm warmers, vest, jacket for this descent. And, you know, Patrick's over there, they're shivering. He's like, it's a great opportunity for you to, you know, teach him, you know, little things. Cause it's as a director, it's not, we're not, we're not, you know, writing these, these training plans for, right. for these, riders. we're not coaching them, you know, stuff like that. Um, but we can, you know, help their performance out by, you know, the, those little things like that, you know, making sure that they have, um, you know, the proper tools to do their job that they might not be thinking about. And especially at that level, you know, it's all those minor little details really do kind of add up and, um, you know, stuff like, you know, not having the proper clothing on a training day. Yeah. You might, you know, you might get sick. You might feel more drained after that training day, just because your, your body was, you know, using so much energy just to stay warm. So that was, that was a, that was a really cool learning experience there. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good example of like with directing, really all we're doing is like asking the right questions and kind of pointing things out that maybe, you know, it's similar to coaching in regards of like, okay, if you 
um, athletes are so caught up in what they're doing and the emotions in the moment. And like, you know, the fact that they're about to do world championships for the first time, like something like that, that they probably aren't putting as much stock into the small little things that really add up prior. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, like as somebody like you, who's literally done it, it's something that you can help them along the way in those little ways to not have to make those mistakes so that they don't have to do one world championships just to check all those boxes off before they can actually go and race their bike. Um, so exactly. yeah. That, that, yeah, that perfectly. that's what, what the job is and, um, the, the best way to get the most out of those riders. Totally. Yeah. And I think the, like a good director is just a really darn good multitasker and somebody that's always kind of watching. Yeah. Um, and then what I've been working on is like, whether or not to say anything or whether or not to act and, or whether or not to let them learn that lesson. And then, you know, if you're part of a really cool team, um, which it sounds like, you know, you were piggybacking off of the elite racers and be- being able to let the U23s learn from them too. But like, if you're around a good group, like they will teach themselves, which is a really cool environment to be around. And then you can just kind of keep your mouth shut. Um, so yeah, no, well, I guess like, um, a, you know, something I was curious about, um, because, you know, USAC, you know, I don't exactly know the, uh, like protocol going over there for you and what that looks like, but, um, comparing that to directing for CS fellow, what does that look like? Like, what was that experience discrepancy in general? Like what's the, what was the difference? So, I mean, one of the big differences is, uh, I mean, honestly, uh, resources, uh, budget, uh, you know, with, with CS fellow, we've had a, you know, a great setup and we've worked really well with what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's like, we had no swan year, uh, maybe one race we had a swan year. Uh, we, we had, you know, one mechanic sometimes for, you know, eight riders like Redlands, eight riders, one mechanic, um, and a director. Uh, so that's hard. And it's like, like you said, you know, it's, you gotta be really good at multitasking to be a director. Cause you know, in races like that, I'd be up all night making bottles, you know, yeah, yeah. Martin, I think I was up, you know, one night to like 1am making like 200 bottles <laughs> the next day. And, yeah. um, you know, also, you know, cooking food, doing all this stuff. So going over to the the national team, it was really a cool experience because I was able to focus on just directing. I didn't have to worry about, you know, cooking. I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, making bottles, getting food ready. I didn't have to worry about, you know, any of that stuff it was really nice and refreshing to be able to, you know, kind of check with the staff be like, okay, is the food and bottles ready in the car? Perfect. Good. Um, and then it allowed myself to focus more on, you know, researching the course, researching the weather, you know, researching the field, you know, that, that was a big part. I didn't know any of these junior riders, you know, I have, I've been out of it for, you know, a while. I didn't know any of the juniors. I didn't know any of the under, well, I knew the under 23s from the previous trip Lavenier earlier in the summer. Um, but it, it just allowed more time for me to focus on what I needed to do rather than do, you know, and wear multiple hats, do multiple jobs um, like I was doing um, with CS fellow earlier in the year. Uh, and so that, that was really nice. You know, we had, you know, like for Lavinier, we had two mechanics, we had two, two Swannies. Um, and so it was really nice to be able to just focus on what my job actually was, which was making sure that, you know, the staff is doing everything and has everything that they need um, as well as, you know, checking in with the riders more, um, being able to give them more attention and focus more on them. It's amazing how much mentally, like how much mental clarity you can have when you have like one task and you're not running ragged or staying up until 2am doing bottles and, um, you're not fatigued in that way. Um, yeah, it's, that's, that's a lesson I definitely like learned this year was even, I got stubborn where I, I would say no to help in certain ways. And then I realized over time that I need to be saying yes, because that will just allow me to do the job that I'm actually there for that much better. And um, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing though, as somebody who's like physically I'm capable, but it's it everything on the physical front does affect you mentally too. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, I, I totally, totally agree. <laughs> After a while, it can kind of add up too. you know, I kind of learned that, you know, halfway through our season this year with CS fellow, and it's, it's better to ask for that help um, just so you can do your job better, you know, yeah. and, you know, instead of trying to do everything, you know, at like, you know, 50, 60, 70%, you're doing hundred percent of what you need to be doing for your job. Did you, did you find that you had a tipping point? Like we, we kind of checked in on each other throughout the year, but like, did you have a, a tipping point during the year where, 
you really felt that fatigue kind of set in? Yeah, I think the the part where I really started to to notice it was uh, after Gila going mm-hmm. to to Joe Martin. Yeah. Um, we had help at Redlands, and that Redlands Gila block was uh, a lot of work because <laughs> you did yeah. the same travel, I think, as me, yeah. where we did Redlands, and the next morning, you know, oh. we drove like ten hours in a, a van and trailer to get to Silver <laughs> yep. City, and yep. uh, that was definitely, you know, we had a great, you know two uh two stage race block there um but at the end of that race i was just so tired because you know gila we had no uh no extra help um and a lot of the guys got sick at gila and i got sick in between gila uh and joe martin and so i showed up to joe martin i was you know just kind of exhausted and we didn't have help there it was really really hot we're doing when it's a hot day, it's it's a harder for the staff because it's so much extra bottles, so much more stuff that the riders need. And totally. a couple of those days were really long. And that's where I really kind of felt like, you know, we didn't have anybody in like feed zones, um, you know, things like that. So it was a lot more stressful for us, um, especially the, just how hot it was. Nobody in the feed zone. So like, you know, riders got dropped early on. It was like, oh, OK, well, we got to, you know, make sure they're supported as well as not lose touch with the front of the race, stuff yep. like that. I think. Joe Martin was kind of that point in the season where I was, you know, that was, I'd say that was the tipping point where I was like, I need, uh, I need to focus on more of what I need to do and ask for help, you know, whether it's, you know, asking riders to help with, you know, making dinner or something like that. Cause me, I don't, I don't want to ask for help. I'm like you, I want to do everything yeah. that all they have to do is ride their bike. But at a certain point, you know, when resources are limited, you gotta, you gotta yeah. put that up and ask. Yeah. It's, it's hard too. Cause you know, I would assume making assumptions here, but the, you know, we were privileged enough, at least in our environments that when we decided to step away from the sport, our final environment, like the final touch point that we had was pretty good. So like my director wasn't making dinners. He wasn't, he was just doing that job. And then the rest was covered by other staff. And like, we did have a lot provided for us. Like laundry was done. um, Food was provided. Like all of that was, was good. It was posh. So it's like, I instantly noticed that I was trying to like provide that to the riders, but then it took me a little while. And eventually I stepped back and said, you know, that's, that's not fair. That's not fair to them. That's not fair to me. Um, they still have like, we as a program still have room to grow to get them to that point. I would love to get there, but that's not sustainable now. So, um, yeah, like I, I totally have the guys rotate on making dinner, um, and cleaning up. And like, I think that's, that's fair too. Cause it also like, teaches us to be in touch and to be like grateful and um also you know helps with the younger kids to be like oh yeah it's it's normal to make dinner for ourselves um and stuff like that so guys it kind of teaches them a good lesson of you know how to take care of yourself on the road because i mean even some of those bigger teams and um you know the support isn't always what you think you know you still got to be pretty self-sufficient and take care of yourself on some of those bigger teams so it's a it's a good lesson for the the younger guys and you know, some of those older guys that are more experienced and have been on teams where they're, you know, doing all that stuff themselves, you know, they, they kind of already know the, you know, the role of what they got to do. So I guess like then pivoting and and following that path into more like what were some of the highs and the lows from the year, as far as like what you experienced as a director, um, I guess for the first year directing and, you know, what, what were your expectations going in and then what did you learn? We already covered a little bit of that, but I wanted to go a little bit more into that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, first year as a director, I've definitely learned a lot. Some things that I would take from this year and kind of carry into, you know, future seasons as a, a director is kind of just um, little things like organization, um, planning out the schedule. Like we, we did plan out our schedule at the beginning of the year. And it's one of those things where it's tough, especially kind of, on the the tail end of you know the pandemic and stuff like that people getting sick you know travel changing stuff like that um just being a little bit more um thoughtful in the way we we plan our our season um i think we had the first half of the year planned really well um and the second half kind of came down to you know a couple of things that were out of our control you know budget um races getting canceled things like that and kind of being a little unsure of what um what to do next mm-hmm. um so i think kind of going into next year it'd be you know one of those things of um you know picking our our goal races especially if like it's a team with a slightly smaller budget you know picking those goal races and focusing more of the resources um on those those races you know 
splurging a little bit to get, you know, that little bit extra help, you know, hiring, you know, uh, a swan year, a second mechanic for some of those bigger races that are more important to the team, um, you know, getting better flights, uh, easier travel for the guys, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to, to racing, um, especially a, a big season, um, is not necessarily just the travel there, but your travel from the race, because you got to think, you know, something like, you know, Gila, it's such a hard, hard race. You have after a really hard block that, um, you know, to send somebody on like a red eye flight the, the night after that race or, you know, 5 a.m. flight the next morning, they're going to get home. They're going to be tired. They're going to be, you know, sick. Um, it's going to affect their training leading into, you know, the next big goal a couple of weeks down, down the road. So kind of just being a little bit more thoughtful about how we, we plan, um, you know, races for, um, you know, with, with the budget, um, you know, travel, stuff like that. Um, the other thing I would say too, um, would just be splitting up the season a little bit, uh, a little bit better. I think this year kind of with CS Velo, we kind of had a really good spring and then kind of hit that kind of, you know, summer lull that I think a lot of riders get. And, um, instead of focusing so much on as many race days as we can do and as many, you know, crits as we can get to when there's not stage races going on is focus in more on like getting the team together, you know, do training camp instead of, you know, spending a bunch of money to go do like an hour long crit, you know, doing stuff like, you know, training camps, getting the guys together, uh, stuff like that, I think would be really beneficial to, bring forward next year. And like I had mentioned before too, just like the little things when it comes to directing um, that I learned from like, you know, uh, Creed and from TJ is, you know, the, the presentations, uh, you know, using, you know, Veloviewer, you know, giving as much information as I can to the guys before these races, which at the beginning of the season, I was kind of just going off of, you know, my past experience in these, in these races and kind of knowing the courses from that, but, um, kind of realizing that not everybody, um, you know, takes information in the same way. And also, you know, a better way to explain the course, um, and race to riders that have never done it, you know, before. So I think that's something I would definitely want to, you know, take forward for next year. Yeah. I think the, um, there's what you touched on with athletes or um, individuals taking information in different ways, presenting them with different options on how to perceive that information. Um, and then, yeah, like Velviewer is a great tool, uh, even just simply like walking them through the course in different phases or focusing more time and energy in certain phases. Like I've learned that, you know, I can walk through a, a certain section of a course that's really key, like let's say an approach or something like that, or really, um, important moment within the race and I'll explain it in my ways. And then actually it can be better if the guys explain it from their point of view, because they see it in a different way because they're in the Peloton and then they can get that across to a teammate better than I can. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've learned like, I need to actually be asking more questions or need to be like instigating the guys to explain something more rather than me just being like a robot and doing it for them in the moment. Um, and half the time I'm like, and I think it's just going to, I mean, you might have a different opinion, but like, it feels like the more we step away from bike racers, like the more it's been a long time since we've been in their shoes, the more we're going to be doing races that we haven't done before. And the more we won't have that experience side anymore. And it's mm -hmm. then pulling from like other racers who have, or people that have been able to be in that moment more and more. So I think that that's a good point too. Cause I, I think I stepped away from bike racing 2018, 2019. Um, and there, there's been a lot of changes. I mean, a lot of changes, you know, in the, in the U S specifically, I mean, the, the teams are totally different. The courses aren't, that much different but the the structure of the whole season is is a little bit different um but just the way these races are raced it's 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 totally different totally. um style of racing now and uh different fields smaller fields and um you know i kind of forgot about you know a lot of that stuff going into it after you know my you know two-year hiatus from bike racing and um you know looking at next year it's 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 good to have had this year of experience to kind of understand like, okay, just because Hilo was ridden one way when I was racing, doesn't mean that's the case anymore, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I almost feel like, um, and maybe this is because we're seeing it from a different angle, but it almost feels like the racing is more exciting now because before it was so scripted, like it was mm -hmm. like, it was going to be this way. 
um, like people like you were going to be able to control the race on your own. So it wasn't, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice, honestly, the changes, it forces, uh, us to be more creative, I think. Yeah. Which is is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I wanted to touch a little bit on how you manage personalities as a director and how, um, you, you know, try and get the best out of riders and racers in your program. Um, whether or not that's like, you know, it's CS fellow or, uh, USA cycling, how do you as a director try and bring about, you know, rise up athletes that maybe have been a little stagnant, um, for a little while? Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, this year in particular, you know, CS fellow has always been a really, really strong team. Um, and it's always been one of, you know, one of the top, you know, domestic elite teams in the the country, but I really do think that they all stepped up this year and it wasn't necessarily that we got, you know, a whole new roster of riders. It was 95% the same roster that they've always, you know, kind of had the past couple seasons. Um, and one thing that I, I really wanted to do when I took on the role of directing them was, uh, one, show them that I'm there for them. I'll fight for them. Um, you know, little things like we did, um, you know, TBC this, uh, this spring is our, our first race. And there was, uh, you know, one of the, one of the riders got like relegated and I think the first or second road stage for, you know, crossing the yellow line and, um, you know, is in the sprint finish with like 500 meters to go. And it was like just before opened up to full road use. And, um, I wanted to show them that I'll go to bat for them. You know, I've, you know, talked to the officials, you know, you know, protested with the officials, and, you know, really wanted to like put myself out there that like, you know, you guys, if you guys can put it all out there on the road for, you know, for the team, I'm going to do the same for you guys. Like if there's an issue, I'm going to step up and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to, I'll go to bat for you guys any day. And I think that that was kind of important just to really kind of show them that I'm not just there to, you know, drive around in the car and have a good time. Like I'm there to, you know, win bike races, have the team perform at the, the highest level. And so I wanted to prove to them that, you know, I'll go to bat for you guys. If there's, if there's something wrong, if there's something that's not right going on in the race, I'm going to fix it and I'm going to, you know, step in and, you know, take care of it. And there was a couple instances this year where, you know, I felt like I kind of, you know, did do that, um, you know, and stepped up and, you know, kind of fought for the guys. Um, but another way, just kind of getting the best out of everybody. I mean, everybody works differently, as, as you know, directing and, and coaching. Um, and you really got to kind of learn the riders and see how they work. And uh, what we did really well that I like this year is, is not super traditional, and especially with a, a smaller budget and a smaller team. Um, we had a two week long camp in, in Tucson that tied into that that Tucson Bicycle Classic race. Um, but it was a really long camp. I, I don't think I'd ever been a part of a camp that was the full two weeks long. Um, but it was really, really nice because I actually had a bike down there. I rode with the guys maybe, you know, 50, 60% of the time. Um, so I really got to know their, you know, personalities, riding next to them, chatting with them, saw how they were on the bike, um, as bike riders. So I could kind of learn their different personalities. You know, there's a couple of guys that were, you know, a little bit more, uh, I guess sensitive, um, you know, didn't take well to, um, you know, criticism or anything like that. And, uh, I mean, I was very fortunate to Meredith and Kurt Dodds who own the team have known these riders for a long time and they're like family. So they were able to kind of fill me in on a lot of these riders personality and what works best for them kind of going into it. Um, but it was nice having that long camp just so I could, um, you know, really learn how these riders act and what they respond well to, you know, I had a couple of riders that, you know, you really needed to kind of build up, um, especially riders that, you know, their, their role in the race wasn't winning. It was, you know, riding the front or, or getting bottles. And I think that's really the kind of rider you really want to be, um, you know, motivating towards, you know, the rider that's not going to win, win the race and kind of build them up in other ways. And like I said, in the meetings, like single them out and like, say like, this is your role. It's, you know, it's very important that you can like, you know, do X, Y, Z in the race to help, you know, our, our, our sprinter for the day or our, our climber for the day. Um, so kind of, you know, learning them was really big. Uh, but in terms of like, you know, working with everybody different, it's just, it kind of depended on, on who they were and, and, um, you know, how they responded to, you know, different, um, you know, styles of, of, of directing. I definitely like to keep it, you know, light and fun and joke around with the guys a lot, but I also like to make, you know, it very clear that, you know, when we're here to race, we're here to race and, you know, we act professional, um, and, 
you know, kind of built a very, I mean, I, I, I can't take credit for building, you know, the culture of the team and, and the, the whole like family vibe between the team. Kurt and Meredith did all of that stuff, but it was really nice to kind of help reinforce that with the guys and have, you know, guys, you know, die for other guys in races. And uh, I think that really kind of got the most out of them. I think the other thing too, is we had a couple of ride, ride captains this year, team leaders, Xander White being one of them, um, Sean Gardner being another one. And, you know, working with, with some of those guys that are, you know, winning races or on the podium and stuff in the races, um, Xander in particular was, you know, talking with him individually about, you know, not coming down on, on other riders if they couldn't perform their job and, and, and using, you know, riders like him to build up other riders, not necessarily myself, you know, like if, if a rider has a bad day and I come and, you know, tell him it's, it's okay. It's, that's one thing, but hearing that from, you know, the guy that just won the race or was second or third in the race telling him like, you know, yeah, you didn't do this right, but you know, you did a good job, blah, blah, blah. That I think really goes, goes a long way. So kind of like, you know, creating this culture where, you know, we're all kind of building each other up um, really does help kind of get the most out of uh, all the, all the riders on the team. Yeah. I mean, 100%, we had that uh, moment for sure. I guess like to a couple questions kind of to touch base on like what you said um, you mentioned kind of going to bat for your guys. Like, was there a time where you um, like went to bat for the guys and then didn't like, maybe that uh, you weren't able to convince the officials that, they were in the wrong um, or that it didn't really end up making a difference in the total outcome. Like, was there a moment that you kind of uh, where it didn't work out when you were out there? Um, I mean, like that TBC race, um, it didn't yeah. end up changing the result. I think it was Sean um, and he was third in the race and it didn't end, uh, end with like, you know, him being placed back in third in, in the race anyways. Mm. Um, but I, I remember specifically like driving home from the race and like, you know, calling the you know the race official or she had called me because i left like voicemail or something like that and like talking on the phone with her all the guys are in the van and hear the the conversation i think you know even though the result didn't change anything they all very much so you know appreciated me putting in the effort to you know put it all out there for them yeah definitely definitely um do you this is more on like a personal level do you have like a um, like a high or like a, something that you're proud of from, from the season? Like, is there a moment that kind of like stands out to you that you're kind of most proud of as far as like your director? Yeah, I would say the, there's probably two um, moments that really kind of stand out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is uh, Redlands. Uh, the, the final two days of Redlands were probably the highlight of uh, the year for me. Uh, we took the yellow Jersey on the time trial and then we had the crit and sunset to, to defend it. Um, Xander white had the Jersey. Um, he was pretty experienced. He'd been racing over in Europe with black spoke. So he was, you know, he was, he was rock solid. He, I never really needed to, to do much with, with him and he was a great team leader and everything. Um, but being able to rally the guys around Xander to kind of step up and, you know, ride the front for him. And yeah, it didn't work out in the, in the end. Um, and we, you know, we lost the race to you guys to, to Stites, um, on the last day in sunset, which I was a, that was a freaking battle. That was awesome. Um, but just seeing, you know, them riding the front going into sunset all as a team, all eight riders on the front, you know, controlling the race, doing the same in the night before in the crit, um, that was probably the highlight for me. I had one of the riders come up to me after the race and said, that was so cool. Like, you know, three years ago, like the last time they were at that, that race in Redlands, they were just trying to finish. I think they had maybe two guys finish. And he's like, to come back, you know, two years later, three years later, whatever it was to, you know, enter the circuits and and sunset riding the front as a team and everybody, you know, being there and participating was really, really cool because it also just gave a massive boost of confidence to the riders on the team that they understood like, you know, wow, I am strong enough to ride the front and wow, it is a lot easier to ride at the front of the bunch rather than being at the the back of the, the field. And that was one of the big goals this year was to get the riders to understand you know, positioning in a race and how much easier it is to be at the front rather than being at the back, especially on a, you know, a twisty 
you know, hilly uh, course where there's just so much of that yo-yoing going on in the back of the bunch. Um, and just having them kind of like realize that and have that kind of confidence that's like, hey, I, I am strong enough to be here. I am strong enough to ride on the front. I am, you know, capable of, you know, being at this, this level that I think was probably, probably the highlight of the year for me. Um, second kind of carries off of that is the next week going into Tahila, um, seeing the confidence that those guys took from Redlands into Tahila was, was awesome. And just everybody was riding a high. We had a couple guys that were, uh not at redlands that did fly in just for for gila but you know they were watching redlands they're falling as much as they could and um you know they kind of brought that confidence even though they weren't at redlands um and at gila i think it was uh would that have been the second the second stage um we raced the second stage in a way that i'd never seen that stage race before i knew we had some of the you know best climbers in the the bunch and we we made what normally is a sprint finish uh a very hard and um yeah. uh, atricious race and yeah you guys killed it it was, we, it was amazing we, yeah we did win that stage uh but i think it really kind of you know made cs velo known amongst the domestic peloton that day that you know we're we're here to race and we're gonna do it a little different and uh i'd say those were two two highlights for me yeah and like to just so everyone knows um sunset which is the final day of redlands that, that uh they were trying to control is like really it is the one of the it's now i think um the hardest stage in the country to control oh, yeah. um the okay. only one that like really rivals it is like the final day of bows i think um and hopefully that's around this year but um that said like that was an amazing and it was like i could see physically see that the team was stepping up which was amazing to see um yeah and then Hilo like that's one of my highlights of the year was that stage um just because it was such a freaking fun race to watch unfold and it could have ended so easily in such a variety of ways. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a, one of those days that you're like, yeah, this is like racing. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, well, Tanner, thank you so much for joining me. Um, and dude, I, I really hope to just see you out there again next year. It was always kind of fun to just run into you and be like, yeah, we're in the grind <laughs> doing this in on like opposite sides of the road, but it's still the same path. So it's very cool. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for like chatting with me uh, today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to more battles next year. Mm -hmm.